0: All right, this morning, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Please, Hebrews chapter number 11. Been a little while getting back into this passage of Scripture, but excited to be able to pick back up uh, where we left off some uh, few weeks back. In our look in this great Hall of Faith chapter that we've been reading so much about. talking here in this particular chapter in Hebrews chapter number 11 about, uh, of course you understand the theme in this chapter being that of great faith and the Bible emphasizes um, some characters that we see uh, in the word of God that is noted and there's notoriety in this chapter of the faith in which they had uh, and exemplified and so we're interested here in uh, in seeing their faith, but while they, are as individuals, reveal to us their faith, uh, the Bible is taking their faith and revealing to us some things that uh, that have been uh, we find in the Word of God. And one being that of uh, Abel, we found that the faith of Abel uh, reveals to us the blood. And then we looked at the faith of Enoch, and the faith of Enoch reveals to us the rapture. Then we looked at the faith of Noah, and the faith of Noah revealed unto us the grace. And then we looked at the faith of Abraham, and we've seen that the faith of Abraham reveals repentance. And when you study the life of Abraham, you find that the Bible teaches that the gospel was preached unto Abraham. There's a lot in, in that, and we've studied some of that, Not to, we didn't exhaust it by any means, but. Uh, It's interesting to me, Brother Shane, that before the law was ever instituted that we find that the gospel was preached to Abraham. And through examples and experience of life and the things that the Lord showed him throughout his life, he's seen the gospel. That's amazing to me because as we we see what the faith of these individuals are revealing to us so far, uh, it's amazing. We've not really got out of the book of Genesis and we've seen the blood, the rapture, the grace, repentance. We see the faith of Sarah reveals the supernatural birth. I mean, it's amazing what we're finding here in, uh, in the, the book of Genesis to be so, and so we're going to also, if we can, we're going to look at the faith of Isaac this morning, if the Lord uh, would be our helper, but I'm going to just start in verse number one, and you can keep your seat this morning, we're going to have a little bit of lengthy reading, and uh, we'll read down here to the Lord stops us, and then when we get down here to this portion of scripture concerning Isaac, if the Lord would be our helper, helper, we'll preach a little while uh, this morning. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter number 11 uh, and verse number 1, the Bible said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he ob- obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. My faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them. That diligently seek him. Verse 7 said, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him. Uh, of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, who build her and make her, is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore spring there even one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky uh, in multitude, as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they, that, uh, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city." By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he, uh, and he that had received the promises uh, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that Isaac, Shall thy seed be called? Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, for whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. Heavenly Father, as we stop our reading in this portion of Scripture to uh, look at the life of Isaac, and maybe, Lord, if, if you give us the time, uh, Lord, maybe the life of Jacob, uh, and pray, Lord, that you would just help us for a few minutes just to take these truths that we've looked and seen in this great Hall of Faith chapter, uh, Lord, and, and through your help, draw out some truths that we see, some types, some shadows, some pictures uh, of what you find and what we find in the Old Testament. As we understand, the Old Testament uh, is revealing to us some things that we uh, see in the New Testament. And I pray, God, that you'd help us as we correlate these things, that we might find some wonderful, wonderful truths that help us to see uh, the imperative things that we are uh, going to have to partake of if we're going to be saved by the grace of God, some things that we are going to have to understand concerning grace, concerning blood, concerning repentance, all these necessary things that we teach and preach about that one might see their need for a savior. We find these things to be evident even in the first book of the Bible. That's an amazing thing, we find the scarlet thread all through the scriptures. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us for a little while this morning just to be able to open the Word of God, to preach and teach out of it, that folks might be stirred in their heart, to be reminded of what you've actually done for us, what we have, the blessings you've given us. And maybe for that one who's lost and undone and doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin, that they might see their need for a Savior, see their their need for salvation. And, Lord, I pray you'd encourage the downtrodden one, draw that one back to repentance that may be cold and complacent. We'll thank you and praise you give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen uh, and amen. So I'm highly interested in the life here of of Isaac. Now we've seen that the Lord has revealed some things about himself, uh, not only to Abraham, but he's revealed some things to Isaac in how Abraham has led through uh, God's guidance. God informed Abraham that he wanted to take his only begotten son Isaac and, uh, and uh, lay him down as a sacrifice. And we know they went up to Mount Moriah to do just that. And we understand that uh, it was Isaac that asked the question, where is the sacrifice? And we know that Abraham said that the Lord would provide the sacrifice. And so when it came time for uh, Isaac to yield, uh, and, and that uh, Abraham was going to, to sacrifice him there, that the Lord intervened in a great and mighty way. And we see a ram that was caught in the thicket by the horns. And the Lord did provide a sacrifice that day. And so I believe these were faith-building moments in their life. But there's something interesting that I want to uh, call your attention to, if the Lord be my helper, about this man named Isaac. If you will, go with me to Genesis chapter number 25. And hold your place, please, uh, in Hebrews chapter number 11, we're needing to be there in a minute, but I want to go to Genesis chapter number 25 and look at some truths uh, about the life of Isaac. Genesis chapter number 25, we'll probably be in a little bit of a teaching gear this morning, I'm still uh, not completely healed up, (coughs) and my mouth hurt me a little bit this morning, but we'll try to give you what God gave us. But the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse number 19, and these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. Now listen closely here, this is important. And the elder shall serve the younger. That's a very interesting thing. You're going to find as we look in the Old Testament and as we look uh, at uh, at uh, how things were to play out with generations and uh, and mamas and daddies as they had children, you understand that it was the eldest that would receive the the inheritance. Now the younger siblings would oftentimes receive something of their father uh, that he would have for them, but it was the eldest one, the eldest son, that received the the majority or the blessing uh, of the father. And so, what's interesting, and when we move over. Uh, to Genesis chapter number 27, I want to pick my reading up here in verse number one and bring to light a familiar story. Uh, and if you can bear with the reading this morning, we'll get to the point, and I believe that the, it'll be a blessing unto you. The one thing that we've been looking at as we go into Hebrews chapter number 11 is really we're only preaching a point uh, at a time, and each person that we study in the in Hebrews chapter number 11 really shows us one point at a time, and then collectively we're We're seeing the the gospel throughout this chapter. But uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 1 says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Now, I want to pause and call your attention to a truth here. You know that in chapter number 25 and verse number 23, the Lord said unto her two nations are in thy womb. Who is this? This was Rebecca. Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. This is told to Rebecca by God. Now, I want you to understand here that Isaac knows that his days are numbered, Brother Shane. He realizes that he is not probably got many days left upon the face of the earth. And so it is his desire that his eldest son, Esau, would go and uh, kill uh, some venison, bring it back, and uh, make him a savory meal to which he happens to enjoy this particular meal more than others. And his intention was to bless Esau. So I want to say this. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say uh, that maybe Isaac is trying to disregard God uh, I don't find where, I've not found, that's not to say that it isn't, but I haven't found where Rebecca and Isaac have had much conversation about what it is that the Lord revealed unto Rebekah over her two sons, being that the eldest would, uh, would serve the younger. But nonetheless, we find that it's the daddy's intention to keep with the tradition of giving the eldest son the blessing. And in this state, this is exactly what has happened. And the Bible said in verse 5, And Rebecca heard when Isaac spake that he saw his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it in. Now, for time's sake, I'm going to try to paraphrase some of this. But basically, what it boils down to is Rebecca uh, has heard from God. She knows what God said. She also loves. Do uh, you understand that Esau was was loved by Isaac, but Jacob was. Uh, it was Rebecca that was fond of Jacob more than Esau. And so, in this particular story, we're going to find that there is some trickery. Uh, ...that has come up, there's some deception that happens. And I want you to see, that. And, and a lot of times we look at this story and we think of the injustices in it. Uh, we find here that, um, that uh, verse 11 said, And Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. We find here that there's a great difference just in these two brothers and how, uh, how they look, maybe how they, uh, how they feel... Uh, there's just a, a vast difference between these two brethren. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me because this is a great injustice that's fixed to be done. It's really, it's a deception. It's a lie. And I, I don't know if you ever wonder, if you ever stop to consider how that uh, we understand Jacob also being known as Israel is the father of God's chosen people. But it started through deception. Now if you, re- you ask yourself the question, if you allow yourself sometimes to ask the hard questions, sometimes we don't like to ask ourselves the hard questions because it, it, uh, it ministers more questions than it gives us answers to. And for whatever reason, when we start asking biblical questions and it correlates and gives us more questions than we have answers, it can shake our faith sometimes in why we believe what we believe. And so oftentimes you'd have to stop and ask yourself, how was it that God's chosen people started with a man named Jacob who we find to be Israel, yet he, he got his place being a deceiver? H- how can God bless that? Why would God bless that? It seems like an injustice. It's injustice. It seems like something that isn't fair. But we're finding that that Isaac is in the hall of faith. Why? Why? Because the faith of Isaac is going to reveal to us some things. The faith of Jacob is going to reveal to us some things. And so what is it here that God is wanting us to see? We're finding that these people that we're looking into their lives is revealing to us things like the blood. Things like grace. Things like repentance. Things like the supernatural birth. What possibly could God be showing us through this particular life? This is so interesting to me because we see the injustice. We see the unfairness. Now I do want you to understand something today. When we realize that we are saved, we know that we're saved how? We're saved by grace through faith. Now we talk about grace because we are the receivers of grace and we know that grace in its definition is simply unmerited favor. It's something that isn't deserved. So when we consider it, we would say, oh, we're thankful for the injustices of God. For if it, wasn't due to, if it wasn't unfairness here, you and I wouldn't be saved by His marvelous grace. I mean, it's not fair, friend, that uh, you and I have salvation. It feels good to us because we're the recipient of it. But you do realize your salvation costs somebody something, right? It is a free gift to us, but it costs somebody something in order for us to have the salvation. And so we're glad to be recipients of it, but I'm also glad I didn't have to pay for it. That's that's why we get saved. If we don't get saved, we have to pay for uh, the sins that we committed and the sinful flesh that we are. So we see the injustices here, but I want you to look at what happens. The Bible says here in verse number uh, 18, or excuse me, verse number 15 of chapter 27 of the book of Genesis, And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house. And put them upon Jacob, her younger son. Now I want you to notice what's happening right here. She's making the younger son look like the older son. That's important. The Bible says in verse 16, And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Now, here's what I want you to see. Everything that's fixing to be offered to the Father is is offered because it was given to him. Esau's gone hunting for it. But what Jacob is doing is he's offering to the Father something that was given to him. He really didn't have to work for it, he didn't have to go fight for it, he didn't have to go scrounge it up. He's just going to offer it unto the Father. But when he gets to the Father, he's capitalizing on something. What is he capitalizing on? He's capitalizing on the fact that this father could not see. So what happens is, is when he goes before the father, he's essentially saying this. I'm going to look like and feel like the eldest brother. For when I go before the father, the only way the father will give me the blessing. I hope you're getting this. The only way that the the father will give me the blessing that I don't deserve. As if I look like and feel like the oldest son. Now, the only reason you're saved this morning and the only reason I'm saved this morning is because when the Lord sees me, he sees his son. How does he do that? Well, look at Hebrews chapter number 2 for just a moment. And let's read a few verses of Scripture in Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 9 says, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now you would agree with me, we know this story, just bear with me a minute, we know Jesus died a cruel death for you and for me, but the Bible says here, for it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringeth many sons unto glory, To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one. For which cause is he not ashamed to call them what? Brethren. Saying I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again I will put my trust in him. And again behold I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Now who was Isaac? Isaac was the seed of Abraham. Through Isaac we find Jacob. Jacob through the seed of Abraham. What, what's happening here? Now I, I do want you to understand here that the Bible says here in verse 11, For both he that sanctifieth. There's, there's a word here that's important. This word sanctifieth, And they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now sanctification in regards to the Holy Ghost we understand but the shame is conditional. I'm saved by His marvelous grace, and so to be sanctified, the Holy Ghost of God works in my heart coupled with the the Word of God and shows me uh, that I need to be more like Christ. Be ye holy, for I am holy, right? And uh, so we're to be more like Christ, and we're to be always getting closer. But in in this sense, sanctification as it relates to the person of Christ in the flesh, Brother Shane, is positional. We're not talking about conditional sanctification here. We're talking about my position in Christ. Why? What does he say here in verse number 11? That he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now we know Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 3 and verse 16, is God's only begotten son. But let me remind you, Galatians 4 said, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman put on flesh made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So I'd like for you to understand that positionally through the only begotten son, we understand are adopted, which means we are sons of God, brethren, with the Lord Jesus Christ. You wouldn't be where you are right now, Had it not been for the father who had an only begotten son. Who was willing to to have his body given as a sacrifice. To lose his place with the father for you and me. He who was rich became poor. And through his poverty we have been made rich. What are you saying? He had to sacrifice something. He had to leave the portals of glory. He had to walk away from all that the father had in heaven. He had to roam himself in flesh. He had to live on the earth with nothing. He was poor. Why? That you and I might be made rich. Do you see that we as the younger brethren, uh, if you will, or sisters rather, if you're awaiting, we understand that we're related to him. He's our brother because he was willing to, for the Father to bestow upon us what he deserved, yet what we did not deserve. We have an inheritance from the father because the father was willing to rob the older son in order to give us what we did not deserve. That's an amazing thing. So when we look in the book of Genesis and we see the injustices, how could the people of God, God's chosen people, come, come from this man? Is it an injustice? Sure, it's not deserved. But you better understand today, everything we have, we don't deserve and so when we look at God, we see how sometimes it would look as if he's not fair and he's not just. Oh, he's holy and he's just and he's right. We don't think like him. If we did, friend, if we, if we judged uh, others as we ought to judge ourselves, then we'd all be in hell. But the Bible says he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Why? Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church while I sing praise. Unto thee. It's an amazing thing what has happened here. In this portion of scripture. Now the reason that Jew rejected Christ. Is because he didn't come. Uh, the way that they were expecting him to. You understand that don't you. They were looking for the Messiah. They weren't looking for him to show up the way that he did. And uh, Hebrews 2 and 16 says. So verily he took not on him the nature of angels. But he took on him the seed. Of Abraham. In The Old Testament. You understand that Christ took on the form of an angel. We we find in Hebrews 7, turn with me to Hebrews 7 for just a moment. I want to read you something to remind you of what you probably already know, but we need to be reminded of it. Verse 1, Hebrews 7 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. When we look at uh, Melchizedek, we understand that we're looking at Jesus Christ, but not Jesus Christ in the flesh, as we would know. We're looking at the Son of God, you understand. And so what I want you to see here is in Daniel chapter 3, in verse 25, he said, He answered and said, Lo, this being Nebuchadnezzar, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. So I, I do want you to understand in the Old Testament Christ took on the, like the form of angels. But in Hebrews 2.16 he said for verily he took not on him the nature of angels but he took on him the seed of Abraham. When Jesus come and put on flesh. He put on flesh that we might be made his brethren. And I thank the Lord for that. Romans 8. And 28 and 29 says, And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He was the firstborn. He was God's only begotten son. But now that we've been adopted into the family of God by him, you understand he's the eldest brother. And so Hebrews 1, 4 4 through 6, has been made so much better than the angels, as he hath my inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten, into the world he saith and let the angels of God worship him now Hebrews 1 and 6 is referring to the second coming of Christ upon the earth when when they will be worshiped let the angels of God worship him but notice what it says in verse 6 and again when he bringeth in the first begotten now in John 3 and 16 but the saying he was the only begotten but in John 3 and 16, we understand we're referring to the, to the God, the Father, who gave the Son, who in, in this particular uh, um, uh, tense wasn't, uh, wasn't, hadn't bought anyone yet. Okay, Jesus Christ hadn't died yet. Jesus Christ hadn't laid down his life yet. And when we read John 3 and 16, we're looking at it as the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, before he goes to Calvary. So he hasn't, he hasn't purchased us yet in John 3 and 16. In the tense in which we read that verse of scripture. But when we're looking at the second coming in Hebrews chapter number 1 and verse number 6. Where the Bible said and again. When he bringeth in the first begotten into the world. He saith and let the angels of God worship him. We're referring to the second coming of Christ. Well obviously Jesus has died. Not only has Jesus died. He's been buried and he rose again. And he ascended to the Father. And Now we know that we're waiting on God the Father to sell, tell Christ the Son to go get the bride. But when He comes, He's not coming as the only begotten Son of God. He's coming as the first begotten. Why? Because God is sending His Son for many brethren. He's sending Jesus for His children. And so I want you to understand that. what Jesus had one Son, but now, Brother Shane, he has many sons and daughters because Jesus Christ was willing to lay aside what was rightfully His so that you and I could have something in inheritance with the Lord Jesus Christ and with God the Father. It's an amazing thing when you read your Bible and really start looking at the words and what the words really say to us. Oh, he was the only begotten Son of God. But now, Brother Shane, is the first begotten. Thanks be unto God. Look with me in Mark chapter number 3 for just a moment. Mark chapter number 3. And let's look at verse number um, 31. All right, the Bible says, There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude set about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? That seems like a strange question considering the Lord's mother and family was outside uh, calling from to within. And they know that this is Jesus' kinfolk, And they're letting him know, hey, your family's out there calling for you. But notice the question. And he answered them saying, who is my mother and, or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which said about him and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God the same as my brother and my sister and mother. What he's saying here is, is we know that it's the will of God for Jesus to come, to bleed and to die. And if you're a partaker of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed at Calvary, if you've received him as your personal Lord and Savior, you're the same as his mother, his brother, his sister. We are related to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're his family, and I thank the Lord for that. Now, let me say this to you. In Revelation chapter number 13, in verse number 8, the Bible said, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Here again, we're reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. We find it in First Peter Chapter 1 and verse number 18 through 20 where the Bible said for as much as you know you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Now we understand that he was as a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. But this Lamb, you understand, although the Lord is seen in many different lights and there's many different names, this Lamb, this only begotten Son, was foreordained before the foundations of the world for me and for you. What was manifest in these last times for me and for you. So the only begotten Son, the Lamb of God, was foreordained to die on Mount Calvary for me and for you. Now look at Revelation 1 and 5. The Bible said and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now we know for without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. We know Jesus shed his blood. But you know that when we accepted him, Brother Donnie, Uh, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. We understand that we were washed, spiritually speaking, in his blood. And so this lamb that was slain, our, our elder brother, the only begotten son, was before ordained before the foundation of the world to go to Calvary and bleed and die, but that blood was for something. That blood was not only to be shed for the remission of sins, but when you receive Christ, Christ washes you in his own blood. You wear. You wear, Brother Shane, what isn't yours. But we wear what was shed from our elder brother on our bodies. Now Exodus 12, verse 12 said, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts. And again, all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Do you know what was going to happen when the Lord... Recognize the blood that was shed on the doorpost, and or it was shed of the lamb that was slain and was put on the doorpost uh, and the lintel. The blood was a representation that, that the, the death angel would not pass upon that ho- on that home. And what was going to happen was is, is is if the blood had been applied, that family was was salvaged. That family was saved, but it wasn't on their merit. It was on the blood that was shed of the lamb. And we understand the Lamb's blood is a representation of the only begotten of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only begotten Son, but He is the Lamb. And so the Lamb is representing the only begotten Son, if you'll allow me to say it that way. And God, when God passes by and God looks, God's looking for the blood. Now you will understand today that when we go back and we look in Genesis chapter number 27... The Bible says here in verse number, um, let's see, verse number 9. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats. And I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold Esau my brother is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats Upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father! And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou biddest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit need of my venison that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, or thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. I want you to know something today. When we speak with the voice that God gives us, but we're saved by the grace of God because of what our elder brother has provided. The Bible said and he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my, my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my sons of innocent, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. All of this, Brother Shane, is contingent upon the fact that, that Isaac could not see this situation as it was. Do you know, friend, that we deserve hell the same today, Brother Shane, as we did the day that we were born. I deserve hell just as much as the drunkard down on the street corner this morning deserves. I deserve hell the same as the, 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 the lady in the back alley in the no good part of town last night. I deserve hell the same as she does. I am not worthy to be saved by the grace of God. I don't deserve to have what I have. But I only have it because when the Father sees me, He sees the blood of His Son. I look like the elder brother. I smell like the elder brother. I I, I am like the elder brother because of the blood that was put on me when I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. The Father sees the Son when He sees us. Jesus, when he hung on Mount Calvary, the Bible said, "Who for the joy?" Now you realize this is Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12 is' following this Hebrews chapter 11, this great hall of faith that we're in right now. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, hung on Calvary, but he did not see us as we were, but seen us as we could be. You better thank God that he didn't just see us for what we are, but he's seen us for what we could be. And now when he sees me, he sees me, and he sees the blood of his son. He does not see me for me. Friend, I'm telling you today, it is a great injustice, it would seem. It would seem that God isn't fair. It would seem that God sometimes doesn't see things like he should. Why does God let this happen? Why does God let that happen? You understand that all things work together to the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. You better be glad we're not God. You better be glad we've not been saddled up with that responsibility. We would fail. We would wreck this thing. But God in His infinite wisdom had His only begotten Son foreordained before the foundation of the world to bleed and die for you and for me. And now, although we do not deserve it, although we we, we, we don't deserve the inheritance, we've been given the inheritance because the elder son yielded to the father's will. And the father give us what we did not deserve. So let me say this. Romans 8, 15 and 17 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, father. The spirit itself beareth witness, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children than heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Second Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. Jesus Christ sacrificed for you and for me. And when we look at this story and we consider Hebrews chapter number 11. And we look at the faith of this man named Isaac. We understand that his faith is revealing to us a great truth. We're seeing the contrasting, the back side of this word grace. We're, We're seeing the other side. We always see the front side of grace. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And we love grace. But you understand grace costs somebody something. And our elder brother, it cost him everything for you. And for me to be saved by the grace of God. And I thank the Lord for that. So we're going to end there this morning. I, I feel like the Lord is done with me this morning. I want to preach maybe tonight, maybe next Sunday, I don't know, on verse number 21. And really drive this point home. But I feel like the Lord would have us to hold off right there. I, I would like forever head about ever eye closed. No one looking around this morning. If you would stand to your feet, the pianist comes and finds us something softly at play this morning. I wonder if you would give consideration this morning. And when you see these great injustices, when you see this situation and wonder how could this be that Esau would suffer. And Jacob would find this great blessing and God would take Jacob and make a nation out of him. That God would call this nation Israel and it would be to him his chosen people. Friend, we've been chosen. I don't know if you realize that or not, but you're chosen. What, what if you'd have wanted God, but God hadn't made provision? You could have wanted to the cows come home, but you couldn't have had him. But you were chosen. The Holy Ghost of God come and sought you out if you're saved by the grace of God. Would you knock on your heart's door, called unto you, that you might receive salvation, that you might repent of your sin. Do you deserve it? No. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We never will deserve it. you better be glad this morning that when he sees us, he sees his eldest son. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you this morning to come and receive him. Accept him. Repent of your sins. Call upon that name which is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been saved by his marvelous grace. Maybe uh, you know these truths, but maybe you've just forgot what, what the backside of grace really looks like. To be a recipient of grace is one thing, but to realize the cost of the grace that's been given to you, it's astounding. It's astounding. What does this faith of Isaac show us as he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come? It shows us, friend, the sacrifice of the elder brother for the younger brother. The fact that we're even called kinsmen is an amazing thing this morning, that we would even be called a child of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're heirs of God. Why? Because the elder son had to lose what was his so that we could gain what we did not deserve.